what do you want to know? Is Brad Trey living the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yes. My beliefs is maybe we'll hear something as early as today from the Leafs. Uh, believe that Brad Tree Living is flying in today. And if we don't hear anything today, there'll be a press conference as early as tomorrow. You heard it here first on the Fan Morning Show. Nick Hiprios confirming that Bre- Brett Gunning, Brett Gunning, Brad Trey Living is the newest GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Second in line was, though, Brent Gunning, who is going to join us now, co-host of Leafs Nation. How was the interview process, Buddy, you Gunner? didn't make the cut, but you were close. Take solace in I, being number two. I went full Tom. I just, I'm here to serve. Yes. Jay. That's what I am. You're I'm an empty suit, eh? Pain sponge, baby. <laughs> Pain sponge. So you like the end of succession? I did. I did. I did. Thoroughly enjoyed we're it. Seeing, I'm sad, but, yeah, sad but okay with it. Our yeah. life has changed forever. Um, but we did That's see right. maybe the end of the Maple Leafs MLSE type of succession happening with uh, the confirmation that Brad Trey Living will be the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, surprise to you, confirmation that you knew this all along. Uh, where are you laying when you, when you start to, to work through this news today? Yeah, this feels like the the circumstance we were always going to end up in outside of incredibly sexy mystery candidate X coming out of absolutely nowhere at the last minute. I'll be honest, a small part of me was still holding out hope for that just because of the appeal that is MLSE, well, I should say the Leafs specifically, and working to bring a championship and with the roster that's here. I did think there was a chance that there would have been some other contender that would have come out of absolutely nowhere, but the fact that it is true living, I can't say I'm surprised. It's kind of felt like from the minute Kyle Dubas was confirmed not to be back. He was the front runner and nothing's changed about that. So yeah, I'm not not overly surprised that this is where we've wound up. I guess I'm a little I'm a little surprised it took this long to end up at where we all thought this was gonna be. Yeah, so that's kind of the interesting part of all this is like, yeah, we immediately turned our attention to Trill Living, partly because people told us to, but also because like, yeah, they wanted experience and he was the most experienced, most accomplished guy currently without a job. So if you're taking from a pool of people that aren't thought of enough to be actually actively employed, maybe this is just the best you can do. Does it feel like that in any way? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, you you nailed it there. Look at the time that you're doing this. And I understand there's never a great time to have a sea change in your organization. And, you know, some people will quibble with that description of it because Shanahan's still there. And it's entirely possible Keith, it will still be here. But, yeah, I think it's very fair to say that Trill Living is the best of the bunch that doesn't have a job. I also want to be clear in that that doesn't mean he will be a bad hire. This means that the Leafs are settling for less. You know, Brad Trill Living was a pretty Pretty well-respected GM throughout his run at Calgary. And, you know, it's funny. They had the exact same playoff success that the Leafs had, but we think about it very differently because of the bones of that team. And that's the thing I'm most curious about now is that, you know, the way most teams in the NHL have been built is not with this kind of stars and scrubs model. It's been with a lot more or a lot less of a discrepancy in cap hits up and down the lineup. Uh, but obviously, Trilliving is going to have a different challenge here in Toronto unless he chooses to make some type of blockbuster trade. And hey, he just did that last summer and it didn't necessarily work out great for his team. So yeah, I think it's a very fair criticism to have of the move, but it doesn't mean he, he can't excel in the role either. Does the last two weeks of uh, information about the inner workings of MLSE and how Brandon, Brandon Shanahan worked with Kyle Dubas give you any more confidence in terms of the two the two now working in tandem? Because 
Uh, Brad Trey Living has a bit of a longer track record. Um, he's had more experience in this role, nine years in Calgary um, at least, and he's he's had, I don't know, um, more of a tenure. Do you think that that's going to change the relationship between how Brendan Shanahan works with his general manager? I think more than anything, it's not so much the history that Trey Living brings into it. It is just the fresh start. There was never going to be a eventual equalizing of Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas when it started off as a mentor-mentee relationship. Eventually, the mentee, Kyle Dubas, was going to say, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I want a little more power. Maybe I want a little more money. Maybe I want the exact same seat at the table. Whatever it ended up being. Where And Brendan Shanahan, rightfully so to a certain extent, says, well, hold on. Am I, am I not the sensei here? Why are we all of a sudden equals? A guy like Brad Treliving comes in, and it is understood that Brendan Shanahan's not there to mentor him, to provide advice. Is he there to be a sounding board? Yes. Is he there to share ideas? Yes. And some of those can sound like the exact same thing. But when you start off as a position of more equals, then, you know, what's the story about Dubis and Shanahan, right? He went and pulled him out of the Sioux and gave him this opportunity no one would have. And, you know, I think that's a little overstated from time to time. Maybe they, he wouldn't have got that opportunity yet. But with a guy like Treliving, because he's been in the league for so long, he's going to have that kind of equal footing with Shanahan. And then I think it's important as well that they're kind of starting fresh here. It, it just felt like there was never going to be a way that it became, just to just for you, Cuthbert, tenable between Dubas yes. and, and Shani. Uh, but with Treliving and Shanahan, I don't see how that can't start off as much more of a kind of equal or at least understood footing that shouldn't change throughout the tenure of true living's time here appreciate you help pushing the new segment gunner um <laughs> uh, so i think i want that segment bad by the <laughs> but way we'll get you a shirt oh, too would be, you wear an untenable shirt 100 percent. Okay. i'm very untenable most times i'm so, working yes. on it <laughs> I, I think one of the most interesting things about true living and i guess why he's suited for this job is that he's been doing the exact job of dubis in a way over the last five years or so i mean calgary's had expectations right like he's been trying mm-hmm. to build a stanley cup contender over the last few seasons, they've had the number one record in the Western Conference at one point. They've had playoff success, playoff failure. Uh, they've been working around key issues. And another one of those issues is the the forever and enduring battle with the goaltending position, which he did find a way to fix or at least uh, made an effort to fix with that big Jacob Markstrom deal. But when it, when it seemed like carryover and transfer skills from one set to the other, what about his job with Calgary intrigues you the most or maybe the most obvious redeeming quality that he's done? There's a precedent there that he can carry over and bring to the Maple Leafs uh, looking at his body of work over the last five, six years or so. Not afraid to make a move. I think that's one we like. Uh, Kelly Yarncroak, he was the guy who actually brought him to Calgary at the end of his tenure in in Nashville. So that's a player he obviously would have had some interest in, uh, will continue to, I would imagine. And everybody's going to go to the Matthew Kachuk trade. And I think that is very clear that that could be a precedent for what happens if the Leafs end up needing to move one of the big three, not including Tavares. But the moves I actually go to are, you know, a trade like Tyler Toffoli. And, you know, he gave up a fair amount in it. Now, none of the guys have really turned into much of anything yet, and Tyler Toffoli's been an important player for that team, a middle six guy, if you will, who can score, and that's exactly the kind of player the Leafs have been looking for to add. Now, you can say they've been having to give up too much future capital to do it, and that's a fair criticism of Dubas. This is also something that that uh, Treliving likes to do as well. Uh, when it comes to goaltending, you mentioned the Markstrom thing, and he, he took a big swing there. That was a team. He did the opposite route of what Dubas did 
did with the goaltending, saying, look, this team is in a position to win now. I can't be rolling the dice. I have to get something I'm confident in, even if maybe we shouldn't be all that confident or maybe it's a bit of an overpay. And you've seen both sides of that with Markstrom. But we also got to remember, this is also a guy who traded away Dan Vladar uh, or, or actually got Vladar from the uh, from the Bruins there. So he's been interesting with his goaltending moves. That's kind of the most interesting thing to me. Other than that, there's not really a ton of trades from his track record that jump out really other than the Toffoli one and the Yarncroak moves. But those are both moves that if they would have been made, probably would have helped the Leafs uh, as well. And then one other thing I'd say is that he's proven to be able to do big money problem deals, even with rivals. There was that James Neal for Milan Lucic deal uh, three years ago, I want to say, between the Flames and Oilers. So the fact that you can make problem contracts go away, even if it's just for another one, uh, with a division, provincial, your blood rival, I think all those are good traits. So I, I want to be cautiously optimistic about this true living hire. Uh, the Dubas specialty making problems go away. Um mm-hmm. One that I go to, I mean, you talked about getting uh, Vladar from the Bruins uh, or uh, making an acquisition from the Bruins. A big one was Dougie Hamilton. Uh, and then he traded Dougie Hamilton a couple years later. And that's the one that really intrigues me because he traded away the best player in a deal, but got back an adequate return. I mean, getting back Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannonfin for... Dougie Hamilton is the sort of trade that would work right now, I think, if you're the Maple Leafs. Is that something of a precedent-setting move? Is that something that intrigues you, that he was able to make a deal like that? I think it's really it's really brazen to expect a guy can can do the unexpected a couple times in his NHL career. And we would talk about that with a player. If a player had a season that was completely above their head, those trades don't happen. And you're right. He did do a nice, nice piece of business on the, on the Lindholm and Hannafin deal there. But that is an outlier in the NHL in terms of how those deals turn out. The fact that Hannafin was a younger player just kind of entering or coming out of his ELC or in the last year of it, if I'm remembering correctly, or maybe he had just started a bridge. That is the type of player the Leafs would like to target. But I also, I, I think that those deals are just a little harder to do now. I mean, it seems like it was yesterday. It was almost five years ago that that deal was was consummated now. And teams have just kind of changed the way they operate. So that is definitely a good blueprint but it's the kind of thing of once you've been bit once, I don't think you're going to be bit twice. So teams will be a little hesitant to do that with true living, but it's definitely something that he can put in a, as a feather of his cap. And yeah, losing the best player to get two more quality ones. The only problem is, is that if you misjudge the quality of one of those two, even a little bit, then you have an Alex Kerfoot in the mm-hmm. trade or a Tyson Berry for for that matter. And then it's the Nazem Kadri trade all over again where you're not happy with it. So I, I think it's a really good example to pull up. I just think the margin for error on those deals when you're doing the lesser two for the one better player is so, so tight that you really have to thread the needle. And kudos to him. He did it on the Hamilton deal. It's just really, really tough to ask him to do it again. We're speaking with Brent Gunningcoast of Leafs Nation after speaking to Nick Kiprios earlier in the day who confirmed that Brad Trey Living will be the new Toronto Maple Leafs general manager. So with all that, where does this leave Sheldon Keefe? Um, will he be the odd man looking out once Brad Trey Living gets in the GM chair? And is it kind of too late for a head coach at this point to be looking around? I know we saw some moving yesterday, but the carousel is spinning. So where does this leave Sheldon Keefe? I think he's coming back. I did think they were leaving it to, for the new guy to make the decision if it was going to be a relatively quick one, and then the things kind of lingered a little bit. I just don't see a world where Brad Living would want to waste that bullet right away. 
if there is going to be a change in the organization through one of those big three players getting traded, I think it's reasonable with Sheldon Keefe having one year left on his deal to say, well, let's see how that goes with Sheldon Keefe and a, and a new group. The other part of that as well, and I don't wholly buy into this, but I'll pay a little lip service to it, is that we've always talked about the idea that one of those three big guys, and we'll include Tavares, four, needed to be traded because that was going to be the only way those guys ever realized there were truly consequences to losing. And I don't think this is true, but I do wonder if the fact that with how close Kyle Dubas was to this core, seems like a wild thing to say about a general manager, but it really does seem like he was entrenched as a personality with that group that I wonder if him leaving and being held accountable, for lack of a better term, is enough to for that group to make them feel like that's the shakeup and Keith could be back, but mostly it just comes down to, generally speaking, as a GM, you don't get to fire two coaches. So why would you waste a bullet right away on this one? And the thing about Keefe is, you know, we all have our criticisms, me less so than others, about how he's performed in the playoffs. He has proven himself to be a capable regular season coach, so you would at least want to see how this looks if there are going to be sea changes to the lineup. So I'm not surprised at all. Wouldn't have had a problem if they moved on. I think you look at what Boston did with Jim Montgomery and Bruce Cassidy, both really good coaches. And, you know, I know it didn't work out for Boston this year in the playoffs, but obviously they had an incredible year. Sometimes a good coach has to move on to a different situation. So a different, maybe even slightly worse coach can come in and do a better job because voices get stale. So I'd have no problem with changing it up. I I would even lean that way. But I just think that given the circumstances the team's in, Keith's going to be back next year. Certainly worked for Bruce Cassidy. For sure. Look at him. He's living a nice life over there for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I know, Justin, you had one. Sorry, I stepped on your toes. You did step on my toes. Uh, (laughs) I was going to ask you about uh, Johnny Gaudreau and whether or not we should question Brad Trilliving's ability at all based on that superstar walking away from the franchise he was running at the time. I think that the heat in a market like Toronto, and this isn't to downplay another Canadian market in Calgary, but it's just, it's different, okay? I know you guys are the flames out there, but it's hotter. It's hotter out here. It just is. And I think that the Goudreau thing was a learning example for a GM and Brad Treliving. You, We've seen Kyle Dubas go through these exact same things. We just talked about how at the deadline he made moves that Kyle Dubas of, forget three years ago, two years ago, or maybe six months ago, would have made so guys learn from mistakes and they will alter their demeanor and the way they go about business I can't see how true living would go about it any other way and the other part of this is is that you know not to say the flames ownership wouldn't have had thoughts on how Johnny Goudreau was handled but there is no way that the ownership is not getting involved if Austin Matthews is potentially walking out the door for nothing. That is a conversation that goes so far above, I think, even Brendan Shanahan, quite honestly. So I don't have any concerns about it being handled the exact same way as Goudreau. I honestly think the only way that happens is if Matthews is playing nice and playing footsie like he's going to sign all year and then just completely pulls the shoot. Kind of like John Tavares did. <laughs> kind of like that. That's the only way I see Matthews uh, pulling a Goudreau and just walking away for nothing. It just, again, to bring it back to your favorite term, that would be completely untenable. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> do you think Leaf staffers, and I guess by extension, Dubas backers, are going to be able to snap out of their state of mourning and uh, get to work under trail living right away here? You have to. 
You have to. Like, I understand we have all had bosses that we love working for, whatever field it is we, we work in. And guess what? Sometimes that boss leaves and there's a new boss and he comes in and you know what you got to do? You got to get to work because that's your job. This is, to borrow the Josh Donaldsonism, it is not the try league. It is not the be sad because Kyle Dubas isn't here anymore league. It's the get it done league. And it is a massive, massive time for this franchise. I understand the sea change that's happened and I do not blame anybody who felt that the culture was going to change after Dubas or whatever, so they felt they need to leave. If that's what they felt they needed to do, no problems with it. If you were rocked to your core by the guy who shaped the whole organization, it seems like leaving. That's fine. Take a beat, get to the cottage, and then get to work. Like, there cannot be any moping. There cannot be any kind of sadness, and I don't really understand how you can go about that in professional sports. You lose games, you got to wake up and perform the next day. You would lose a teammate to injury and it's got to be next man up. It cannot be any different for the people working in scouting or the front office or even ticket sales or whatever it is. I understand it and I understand that there probably will be an adjustment period, but I would have hoped they would have taken this time to kind of be their mourning period where there was a little bit of a lack of direction for where things are going to go and now okay, Treliving's the guy, marching orders go there cannot there there cannot afford to be any moping about this speaking of moping should we be ruining the loss of spencer carberry i think that he is probably going to be a guy who has some level of success in washington and i think it's going to be actually it's very fitting that rasmus sandin is there because i think (laughs) it's going to go a little bit like that there's probably going to be a stretch where the capitals are rolling and that power play is clicking and ovi's going to look like he scored 50 again and there are going to be times where you go oh the capitals yeah they're an older team that's middling i think carberry from everything i've heard is a really capable guy obviously he's a very capable coach at the american league knows that organization well I think that there is a world two or three years down the line where he's doing a good job with a not-so-great team and the Leafs are still kind of in a bit of a coaching carousel and you say, oh, how could you let that guy get away? But... You, we just did this with Sheldon Keefe, okay? And I have a lot of faith in Sheldon Keefe, but it was clearly a big challenge to be a rookie head coach in this market. Could not do that to Spencer Carberry. So I think it's exactly the same as Sandine. Maybe he'll have some moments where you say, ah, the one that got away, but it just was never going to happen here. So you got to just wash your hands of it. Good luck to him. And uh, hey, he ran the second best power play in the NHL and he's going to go get Ovechkin a billion goals next year. So say, it sounds yeah. like a win to me. He's got the, the perfect piece of Ovi. Just don't move him from that spot. And I, mm-hmm. I think your power play will continue like, to be good. It sounds like a priority is higher. Like, it's all about the record there. It's maybe not about winning a Stanley Cup. So bring mm. the specialist, the power play specialist in there to get Ovi some more goals. It feels like, uh, yeah, it feels appropriate. Well, and if you're if you're Spencer Carberry, it's like, okay, so I maybe get one NHL head coaching gig, and it's to ride into the sun with Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Not yeah. bad. Uh, we're talking to Brent Getting, host of Lease Nation. Okay, so we have the cup final set. Uh, starts Saturday night. You had to wait a little while if you're the Florida Panthers. Um, Panthers versus Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, who's got the edge? Uh, is there a feel-good story other than the fact that both teams haven't won a Stanley Cup, so that's that's a feel-good story in its own. There's someone that you're really looking forward to have um, their moment here in the final. It's Jack Eichel. That's the guy for me. Uh, he'd been through hell and back with that back injury and the squabble with the Sabres and him being so sour about all the McDavid hype. And then Matthews came and he's like, what? I'm not even the best American of my generation. He just always has this screw you attitude that I kind of love about him. And the fact that he's not a Sabre anymore allows me to actually embrace <laughs> that. So he is far and away the feel good story I'm feeling uh, the, the best about. And I wholeheartedly disagree that it'd be a feel good story if either of these franchises 
Vegas one. Oh, Vegas. Yeah, what great hockey fans they have out there. Oh, I show up, my team wins every night, and there's a light show. Yeah, this is the best sport ever. Not real fans. You got to earn it. And Florida, <laughs> I guess they've earned it because they've been dealing with the, the doldrums forever since the rats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, I don't like their chances. Bob being off this many days, uh, something something worries me. I feel like he's going to come out looking like he's in like rigor mortis and a full body cast because uh, he's been he's been just chilling for too long. Uh, Gunner will leave you with a tenable, untenable, uh, and this is a hypothetical. Uh, tenable or untenable? The Leafs and Leaf fans having success if Kyle Dubas winds up with the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> untenable. I think Kyle Dubas would be hitting the ground running with a core that has a lot of nice pieces signed to a lot of nice contracts and just filling out around the edges with a little more money to do it and having learned some lessons in Toronto and sticking the knife in MLSE and they have new sexy ownership, untenable. Do not like it. All right, Gunner. Uh, that's that's uh, also still up in the air where Kyle Dubas lands uh, conflicting reports that maybe he declined what the Penguins had offered him. Nonetheless, we'll focus on one GM job today, and that's Brad Trey Living coming to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Appreciate you jumping on this morning and breaking it down with us. That's Brent Gunning, a coast of Leafs Nation. We'll chat soon. Thanks, guys. That's Gunner Gunzy. Um, pretty popular voice. On this fan morning show. Oh, of you course know him well he is. And you love him. And we had Nick Kiprios confirming the Brad uh, Trey Living news. Um, if you missed that earlier, he said it's uh, a done deal or it's on its way to be a done deal here. Uh, Brad Trey Living flying into Toronto. Maybe an announcement coming today or tomorrow from the Maple Leafs. So stay tuned for that. Um, we will talk to Adam Fantilli after we take a break. Um, we know that he has won a lot of things this year. I'm looking to win something today, which is our golf game. And we solicited some text messages from our folks about what the competition should be between Justin and I, how we make this match as prolific as the match. We might be doing this weekly tonight or today's day one. Morning, guys. If Ailish somehow loses a Justin today, I think it should be the J list next week and loser tips the beer cart. The okay. A-list is a lot of work. You don't even know. That's the problem. Like I did, uh, like I did, like a half-hearted two weeks of A-list, mm-hmm. and it was difficult. And Maybe because I can't see the positives in the Meredith golf story. Yeah, like I just, story I today. just could not bring that to the table because I, di- I don't have that same. I don't have the same heart that you have, Ailish. That's right. It's one of a kind. Uh, Andrew in St. John says the first one to put the ball in the water has to wear the blue lipstick on the morning show the next day. There's a zero percent chance. Come on. I'm agreeing to that. One more here. Um, have two golf shirts made that each say tenable and untenable. Winner gets to wear the tenable shirt the following week, George and Scott. Uh, Scott in Georgetown. I like that. We you need like merch. that one, eh? Yeah, we need the merch. Okay, you got some time to send that in to us at 590-590. Uh, producer Daniele in my ear says that Frank Cervelli has now confirmed the report. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are putting the finishing touches on a contract that will make Brad Trey living the 18th GM in club history process should be wrapped up as soon as this afternoon some loose ends still to tie up so there you go kipper frank and co it is happening you can mark that press conference down in your schedule maybe we'll stream it we're waiting to find out more about that the um, living era begins it does 18th gm you think you can name it? i can't 18 believe of those? there's only been 18 <laughs> how old is this franchise right it's not like it's Job security, that, and the Leafs GM job. That's what you, if you were looking for job security, mm. Leafs GM, that's your job. I don't know how good Kyle Dubas feels about that statement. Okay, let's take well, a- All he had to do was not like 
show that he couldn't do the job, apparently. Okay, we're going to take a break. Adam Fantilli will join us on the other side of the break. Team Canada forward, Hobie Baker, award winner, world championship gold medalist, junior, world junior championship gold medalist. It's been a good draft year. He's had a pretty dynamite year, um, and he's close to being drafted in about three weeks. So we'll chat about how all of that weighs on the young kid's mind and what was maybe the best part of uh, being in Latvia and playing in that rowdy, rowdy fan base. That's next on the Fan Morning Show. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. If you have missed it, just tuning in now, Kipper told us this morning that Brad Living is going to be the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Frank Saravalli now reporting that that's a done deal. Brad Living will be the successor to Kyle Dubas. Uh, lots to talk about on the station and beyond today with Brad Living likely to be introduced before the week is up. So big things in this market. Brad Living is going to be running the local hockey club. Uh, let's pivot to... Uh, not a local hockey player, but a guy who's uh, been golfing in the region, at least lately. That's Adam Fantilli, Michigan Wolverines and Team Canada forward, 2023 Hobie Baker winner and a world champion after being part of Team Canada and their victorious run in Tampere and Riga. Good morning, Adam. Morning. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. How about yourself? Really good. Uh, happy to be home. Uh, is this is this the dream draft year? I mean, I guess there was one bit of unfinished business uh, at the Frozen Four, but you win two gold medals with Canada. You win the Hobie Baker. Could you have drawn it up any better? Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fantastic year. Uh, I got to play with a lot of special players um, through both of those teams and and with Michigan. Um, I was really fortunate to get to play with a lot of those guys and um, to be able to 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 get the, the gold medals for Canada. That's that's always special when you get to put the crest on. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a whirlwind of a year, but but it was amazing. What are you most proud of this year? Oh, um, I, I honestly don't know. I think being able to go through those experiences, uh, to be honest with you, like learning learning from the guys that I just played with uh, overseas, because um, there's, there's guys that have played 1,200 NHL games, guys that have won Stanley Cups. So so being able to to just get on a roster with those guys and, and learn from them for about a month was something that I was, I was pretty proud of. Good problem to have when it's uh, tough to pick what you're most proud of. I wouldn't have that uh, moment in my life. So get to run through the gauntlet of things <laughs> that you've won. Um, we actually got to talk to uh, Milan Lucic yesterday to tee up talking to you. And he said the same thing. He said that uh, playing with you also taught him a lot. And he's obviously a veteran player. So I think it goes hand in hand. Uh, playing with some of that caliber, playing with someone that has a lot of experience um, for you as a young player. What is it that you learn most? Is it habits? Is it uh, the intensity, the love for the game uh, when you're in a situation where you you're the young kid on a world championship team. Yeah, there's there's so many things um, that that a lot of people don't even think about. Just the, the whole environment of the locker room, the the how everybody prepares for practice, the way everybody prepares for games, um, how much more dialed in they are on their their small details in the game, like systems and and the pre scout. So it's uh, it, it was it was definitely eye opening, and it was it was really helpful to to go over there. 
So the draft year is an interesting one, right? Because it's all about a showcase. You're trying to show what you are as an NHL prospect in a way. And I'm not sure how like conscious of that you would be on like a day-to-day basis, but surely uh, you're thinking about being the best version of yourself, but it's also a developmental year and you're trying to build into the best version of yourself that you're going to be down the road. So how did you balance that? And what did you work on specifically this year to get better, to make yourself the best possible prospect you could be? Yeah. Um, I'd say the first thing I tried to do is just kind of focus on the day that I was ahead, uh, especially at Michigan. Um, being able to play games only on the weekends uh, really allowed you to just focus on your game from, from Monday to Thursday. Um, just going out for extra ice or, or doing extra video with your coach, it, it, was, it was really helpful to be able to just take every day uh, at a time. Um, and then more specifically, like going into the intricate parts of it, you, you like there's always parts of your game that you got to, kind of improve on trying to play in the NHL. So um, there, there was parts of my positional game in the D zone and parts of, of moving off the puck in the O zone. And then obviously like physical parts of it with, with shooting and just getting stronger. So um, every day you just kind of pick your, pick your spot that you want to work on that day and just try and get 1% better. How dialed into the NHL draft lottery were you? Uh, I was, as funny as it sounds, I was sleeping. <laughs> no um, way. Come on. Time zone difference, no? Yeah, I was in Budapest. It was three oh, in the morning. Okay, okay. Well, that's you want fair. the young that's guy fair. to be up at three, Justin? <laughs> so that's a, he's got, he's no, got that's role fair. models that's out fair. there. That's fair. Okay, so when you woke up, <laughs> what was your impression of what you saw? Uh, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, I thought, uh, there's, I mean, uh, it was, it was, <laughs> things moved, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really cool to see all, all the the way everything fell. It was it was interesting. I know that uh, you still have some options. Um, you know, you, you could return to Michigan or you could uh, head to the NHL uh, after the draft. I, I I know you probably don't need to make that statement now, but did, have you been thinking about that decision? Um, what that's like uh, having to weigh those things, and also uh, you get to play with your younger brother at Michigan. So I mean, how's that for an experience? And if that changes at all your perspective of what's next for you. Yeah, getting to play with Luca for the last four years has been unreal. Um, it's, it's really hard to put that into words. Um, part of the reason I went overseas to play in the world was to kind of get a gauge for that that feeling of, of pro hockey and, and the way the way that style of the game works. Um, I, I still don't know, to be honest with you. Um, it depends on on so many things. So I'm, I'm kind of TBD in that in that scenario. But um, yeah, I've been I've been thinking about it quite a bit and, and trying to get the right answer. Or, uh, we're kind of not there yet. <laughs> uh, you might not have had this perspective because, you know, you're a, a draft-eligible prospect uh, and you're making your way. Uh, but some guys look at the World Championship as like part vacation where they get to see the sights and sounds of a European city while playing some hockey on the side. And then, you know, you know, increases in terms of importance as you go there. And clearly it did uh, for your teammates who really wanted to win uh, the World Championship, of course. Uh, but there are probably a couple non-hockey moments uh, on your trip and your travels uh, this month. Uh, do you have a favorite non-hockey moment from the World Championship and being with those guys in Europe? Um, there's there's a couple. I mean, just being able to see the the cities of, of Budapest, um, Riga, and, and Tempir was was amazing. When we got to Tempir, Finland, um, they brought us straight to this restaurant that kind of doubled as a as like a Scandinavian sauna. Cool. or spa nice. and it was it was like a restaurant upstairs and then it had a sauna in the basement um and then once you were done with the sauna you could do a plunge right into the water out there that was like 
40 degrees. It was like the, the, the lake or the river or something. And it was, it was like 40 degrees. So I thought that was, that was really cool. Oh, that's You're nice not supposed life. to swim on a full stomach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did look at uh, drinking age is 18 over there. So, uh, you can, you know, you could have indulged in a little bit of fun being, you know, just at that age. Uh, did you guys have, um, a nice, um, post win celebration? Uh, Milan told us yesterday that it was kind of a mad dash to get to the airport. You had an early morning flight. I think you guys were out, uh, to the wee hours of the night. Just, yeah. Did you guys have fun? That's about all uh, we can say. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was amazing. We uh, we kind of got out of our out of our equipment and jumped on the bus. <laughs> by the time we got back to the hotel, we uh, we only had a certain amount of time before the next bus would take us to to the airport to to fly back home. So I think we had about three or four hours together to, to celebrate at the hotel. So so that was amazing. In terms of teammates, who impressed you the most? Uh, you know, just watching and experience, soaking in this in the the situation, and being teammates with new guys. But when you looked around that dressing room, who caught your eye? Well, first of all, I, I grew up a, a massive Bruins fan, so so being around Lucic and, and just watching him as a player was was amazing. Um, he, he was he was extremely helpful with, with a lot of things, and then uh, Scott Lawton was also amazing uh, in terms of of trying to help me along and and teach me some, some parts of, of being in the locker room and then practice days and stuff like that. So those, those guys were, were pretty amazing. You had a, a pretty incredible highlight real goal um, at the World Championships. I think Bilan Lucic actually assisted on that. Uh, I mean, you weren't just there. You were producing and, and making a pretty significant role. Uh, walk us through that uh, that game against Latvia specifically because the, that fan base was absolutely electric, you know, one of the best in hockey, and we don't get uh, many opportunities to see them at, at least until the World Championships. So playing in that environment, scoring that intense goal uh, in that big moment and just what that, what that journey was like to play against the Latvians. Uh, yeah, I mean, first when we first played them in Latvia and Riga, that that building was gonna, the roof was gonna pop <laughs> off. It was crazy, um, and it's it's such like a a soccer vibe with with their chants that they do throughout the entire game and the the specific times that they that they get loud with on like a power player or whatever it might be. Um, so they they're extremely invested in, in the way the game's actually going. So it's it's really cool. And then when we played them again in the semis, um, they, they had, we didn't think that many would actually travel to Finland. And mm-hmm. there was, it was just a sea of white. They were chanting all game long. Um, every time we scored, you could hear a pin drop in there. Um, it was it was actually pretty pretty cool to, to see that environment. We're speaking with Adam Ventilli, Michigan Wolverines, Team Canada forward, um, Hobie Baker Award winner, and every other thing that he could have won this season. So I, I got to ask you uh, a bit of inside baseball question. So you went to KUA Kimball Union Academy, and I went to Dartmouth. So we were kind of neighbors there, out in oh. in our neck of the woods. Um, uh, we didn't cross paths. I'm a little bit uh, older than you, but we did probably cross um, some of the uh, some of the things to do there in the KUA area. Lake Sunapee ice cream for you. Um, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. But any good memories from your time at KUA, which is for the listeners quite close to my alma mater of Dartmouth? Yeah, uh, it was it was amazing out there. The when I first stepped on campus, I was like, "Where am I?" We were in the middle of a mm-hmm. forest, and it was just. <laughs> just like a town in the middle of this forest. There was no service or anything like that. But and I remember saying to my parents, like, there's no way these people are actually this nice. Like there's something going on. Um, but everybody was extremely welcoming and, and the whole team was amazing. And, and just kind of getting outside of the GTHL and, and learning to, to kind of live on your own in a dorm room and, and, and be around 
people from from all over the world really just kind of grow as a person and just and just learn to be on your own again so it was it was amazing over there um i had a lot of special teammates had a special coach over there so it was it was awesome yeah, I mean, it's a special neck of the woods, as you mentioned, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But once you get there, it is uh, pretty unbelievable. I want to ask you what your summer goals, summer plans are. Um, I know you're back here at home. We saw on your Instagram you're golfing yesterday. So uh, maybe you have uh, a couple moments of rest and relaxation mixed in with uh, a lot of training, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be kind of bumping around uh, all over the place during June. Um and a little bit in July, but then I'll be back home for a little bit and just kind of trying to train for the, for the upcoming season. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Appreciate you jumping on this morning. Congrats on all your success this year and uh, hopefully more to come um, at the NHL draft and moving forward. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, anytime. That's Adam Fantilli, uh, Team Canada Forward, Hobie Baker Award winner, World Championship and World Junior Gold Medalist this year. And has a, a big month ahead, as he mentioned, the NHL draft later in the month of June, which starts tomorrow. So uh, lots to come. And he's projected to be a top two, three draft pick. And yep. from Nobleton. Really? Where we Surprised are heading. You didn't drop that. Well, I just, you know. Wow. I was already dropping the Dartmouth connection. I can't, you know, it'd be too much here. Maybe we'll run into him. Well, we will be driving quite close to Nobleton today. So for our golf outing. Just as a refresher, Chicago Blackhawks won the draft lottery. Mm -hmm. They're likely to take Connor Bedard next. Anaheim at two, Columbus at three. Pretty safe to say one of those two options uh, will be his. Be I'm, pretty I'm, cool to play I'm probably with leaning. Tra Trevor Zegers. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be pretty good. Those out two there. would be uh, a pretty good duo. Um, but yeah, that was great. Great to chat with him. What a what a fun little year he's had. It's been a pretty good year <laughs> for Adam Fantilli. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, Let's recap what's been going on today um, for our listeners that might have tuned in a little bit late. Um, earlier this morning at 7, we had Nick Kiprios on, and we straight up asked him, Kipper, is Brad Trey living the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs? And he said, yes. So we're rolling with that. Kipper knows best. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs may be pending an announcement of their newest GM. Brad Trey Living may be flying in uh, today or tomorrow. So those will be confirmed reports um, anytime. But... The search has ended. Uh, Brad Trey Living, who was the front runner for the last week or so, seems to be the guy that takes over the seat that Kyle Dubas has left. Yeah, it appears that way. And uh, Frank Saravelli, not that we don't trust Kipper, we do with our lives. Uh, but <laughs> he has also uh, reported that uh, Brad Trey Living will end up as the Maple Leafs uh, GM. So every expectation should be that that will happen. And yeah, it's an interesting hire. It's a guy who definitely hits the experience bucket. It's a guy who's definitely in been in a similar situation to that of Dubas recently, where he's been trying to navigate the waters for a Stanley Cup contender. And maybe you don't consider Calgary that but over the last couple of years, he's had a lot of success. He's made a lot of big trades. He acquired and then traded Dougie Hamilton. He had traded Matthew Kachuk last summer, and we can relitigate that as much as we want. But that was a big, big-time deal. So he can execute big deals. He can... Uh, he has the relationships around the National Hockey League for sure. So there's a lot of redeeming qualities there. There's also things to be skeptical over his handling of Johnny Gaudreau, uh, maybe the return and, you know, casting or miscasting Jonathan Huberdeau as a guy who would work in the Daryl Sutter system. He also doesn't have the greatest free agent record, but then he also signed Jacob Markstrom to a, a year or a contract that paid him $6 million annually and looked brilliant in the few seasons directly after it was signed. So, yeah, there's a lot of good and bad. There's a lot of parse through because 
he was one of the more active general managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and action might be the key thing here because it seems like the Leafs have a lot to do. However, there's also a scenario where they don't have to do much and it's just nibbling around the margins for true living. So we shall see. We shall see what his... He's got a good draft record, but how involved can he be since he was in the preparations with Calgary? There's a lot of things to sort through here with uh, Brad Treliving, uh, but he's got a immense opportunity in front of him uh, being the next uh, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, there are, there are a few jobs like it in sports, uh, and it's a tremendous platform here to show people what he can do. And he comes in with a massive to-do list, as you mentioned, but at the top of that is to figure out what's up with Austin Matthews. And I don't think you can think of anything uh, more pressing right now in Leafs Nation than figuring out what is going to happen with their all-star franchise-defining player, right? And he's got uh, a bit of a ticking time clock, time bomb, not even, um, until... It's a a bit of a bomb. It's a bit of a bomb um, to figure out what's next. Um, All reports are saying that, you know, Austin Matthews wants to play for the Maple Leafs, but maybe not sign this extension by... July 1st. And so Maple Leafs fans will have some tension over the next month or so trying to figure out what that direction is. But hey, welcome to the club. Here is somebody that we need to find the future for, um, which will define the direction of this franchise for the next uh, eight years. So best of luck. It's, It's a big thing to put on the table right away when you slide across a piece of paper in Austin Matthews contract extension is the top of the list. And these situations aren't equal, right? But Johnny Gaudreau did walk. Johnny Gaudreau had the same scenario where he mm-hmm. could have signed an extension, waited, there was discussions, and ultimately he walked at the end of the day. These situations are not the same. However, there's some reason to be a little bit anxious about the whole thing, not just not because of true living and history, but because we don't know as much as we think we may know what exactly Austin Matthews wants. Is he convinced by this hiring? Is he happy with this hiring? Will he be happy if, say, Mitch Marner is traded? Will he be happy if things don't go the way he wants them to go over the next little while? And what does it mean if he starts a season without a contract and things just go from there? There's so much that Trill Living has to deal with, but everything seems to pale in comparison to the dealings with Austin Matthews because really... Matthews does hold the future of the franchise the first in his domino, hands really, right too. now. Yes, for sure. And, um, you know, what's going to happen with Sheldon Keefe? We talked about this. Is this uh, the coaching carousel continues to spin for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Does he give Sheldon Keefe another opportunity to lead this team? Uh, I, I Honestly, I don't know how this one's going to go. I don't really know the relationship um, that Brian Trey Laving's had with previous coaches, how many he's gone through. Is it time for an entire fresh slate? You know, Spencer Carberry has just signed uh, with the Washington Capitals. So that's new. You have a new GM in place. Do you now decide to have a new bench boss? It, it, it could be the right move and it could also be too much change. It's really hard to determine what the steps will be, but I'm sure he'll be but between Austin Matthews being A1, maybe A2 will be what to do with Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, it's definitely a decision. I don't think the stakes are the same, no. uh, but it's definitely a decision he has to make. But I guess you have to weigh inaction as well. Like mm-hmm. if you just run it back, I mean, we're talking about you can't possibly run it back at the end of the season. We have Shanahan maybe assur- giving assurances to the core for if you keep Sheldon Keefe, I mean, what changes are there? And what impact can Bradshaw Living really have on the team? He's not in if there. If you're just trying to build again room. around mm-hmm. the same people. Yeah. Uh, I think it's worth wondering if anything can really be different from Dubas to, to, to Living if he doesn't make that coaching change. For me, it's a new voice in the locker room. You know, you got if you're going to have the same players, you can't have the same voice as well because it's just like signing up what for the same thing, you walk into training camp, you look around, where's the major change? The major change might be the front office, but you're not seeing that as a player, really. You're going in with the same perspective of a season. So it could be 
the right move to, to, to freshen things up. A lot of teams are doing that this offseason, it feels like. Um, we'll have that coverage all day on the station. Um, stay tuned. I know J.D. Bunker's podcast is up next. I'm sure he's well aware of the Brad Trail Living news. Uh, but let's get a wake and rake in before we wrap up our Wednesday. Okay, so Blue Jays back in action against the Brewers tonight, looking to build upon uh, last night's win. We got Alec Manoa on the mound, though. So interesting uh, hurdle. I will be at the game, so I will be picking something from tonight's game for the Wake and Rake. God, I, d- I know. credit to you because it's just a terrifying prospect. It is. So I thought the over, and then I thought, well, the guy, Nine and a half. The guy they're, they're going up against got a 1.8 RA. So what I am going to do is, I believe it's Tehran. Yeah. I looked at who's who's been productive. Chapman, two at bats, two whole runs, batting one thousand. Uh, I'm going so I mean small sample size, but let's do Matt Chapman over bases. Um, that is plus money over one and a half bases. I'm gonna put Matt Chapman in my wake and rake because I'm not really sure how. Alec Minot is going to fare, so let's go with that. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's reasoned. It is a small sample size, but it's reasoned. <laughs> I think we're going to see. Uh, I don't know if it. I don't know if we're going to hammer the over, and it's going to go way over like it did at least in the first five innings yesterday. But it seems like there's going to be some possibility for extra base hits <laughs> for the Blue Jays lineup Perfect. and for the Milwaukee Brewers lineup. So yeah, I like that pick a lot. Uh, I refuse personally to believe that the Atlanta Braves can get swept oh, by the again. Oakland Athletics. Uh, I can't play the money line because it's two thirty-five right now. So Braves bounce back, get one in Come Oakland, on. run line minus 140, Braves win in Oakland, salvage one game out of a three game. I think it's a three game set. They At have least to. one of the first three games. Because I set. came on here and ripped the Oakland A's and then now they're the best team in baseball. So they need right, we, to th- lose the game. That's untenable. It's uh, okay. untenable. Courier Chris and Whippy says, morning, Alish and Justin, I'm going Blue Jays over five and a half total runs and Chapo straight money line. We, we haven't done mm. much French open picks yet, but Chapo's still in it. And I know Bianca got a huge win yesterday. I just realized we got to squeeze in golf picks tomorrow for the Memorial. Yeah, Maybe we do. we'll do it early on. Okay. Uh, good morning. Corey from Port Hope here. Uh, off for two days, which is why I didn't text in. Uh, hope we you enjoyed the time you. off. For his wake and rake, he likes the Cubs and Rays to go under eight and a five or 8.5 runs. Uh, Eflin for the Rays uh, and Steele on the mound for the Cubs. Yes, that's a good pitching matchup. Mm-hmm. Under eight and a half runs, Cubs, Rays from Corey and Port Hope. All right. Happy bump day. Jules and I will be at the Jays game tonight and we're going to meet up. Uh, we will go an all Jays pick today over in the first five innings and Jules will take Bo to break his mini slump and go over bases. And finally, our guy, Ian, the snowplow driver. What are you doing nowadays? It's 30 degrees in UV. He's golfing. Uh, he's Look. golfing <laughs> at Royal Stouffville with the employees. That's awesome. Uh, he's got Ailish plus money. Plus money on Ailish? She's minus money. No, so I'm plus money. Uh, he's also got Brandon Belt, eight for twenty against Tehran. He's got over one and a half bags for Brandon Belt at plus one sixty five. Okay. That's an aggressive move. Wow, I haven't uh, thought much about Brandon Belt's uh, betting lines ever in my life. So <laughs> let's try that. Um, Nor have I. Yeah. So do you want to go two? We did two Blue Jays yesterday. Um, we have we could do a we could do a French Open pick. It'd be kind of fun. Uh, we got Cubs and Rays under. What do you think? Let's go. Let's go. Chapeau. Let's do Chapeau straight money line. Let's let's cheer for our Canadian guys. Um, that is plus one twelve. So he's a little bit of an underdog. Oh, the the game the match starts in ten minutes, so maybe not in let's case pivot. people are, are Cubs and Rays under in half. Okay, Cubs and Rays under. Um, but if you want to put Chapeau in there, go ahead. If you're listening live, um, Cubs and Rays under. I'm putting that in there, and I'll give you our wake and rake in a moment. Here we go. 
Um, Chapman over one and a half bases. Braves on the run line. They better damn do that. Um, and under in the Rays <laughs> and the Cubs. That is plus 548 today. I like it. Uh, we'll be on the course, which I like a lot in what? Uh, hour and a half That's here. Right. Very, very exciting. Go Trill living. <laughs> likely, the, likely the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Huge news. Keep listening to the station all day because all of our hosts will be breaking down the big news in Leafland. All right. Manoa on the mound tonight. Uh, that's at 7 p.m. First pitch, Milwaukee Brewers, Sportsnet. Sportsnet now, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Justin and I, the match, inaugural edition begins 1044 tea time. We'll chat all about it tomorrow.